Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 057 of 22s and Tridents. As we start every show, I'm Colin O'Keefe. I'm joined by Connor O'Keefe. Con, how are you doing on this uh, fine Thursday evening? Uh, well, uh, we're proud winners of the Eddie Vedder Cup, so I- I'm, do- I'm doing well. It was a nice little series. It could have gone a little bit better, but it obviously could have gone much worse given that I thought for sure with I thought for sure when they had the five game winning streak in hand, it was like and then they blew it. I was like, well, well, now we're losing both ends of the doubleheader for sure. I mean, uh, how many relievers did we pitch today? I mean, we were bound to let up that many runs no matter what. So just get them out of the way in the was, first game. Exactly. It was tough. Well, we'll get to the exact <laughs> the exact parts of it uh, as we go on. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, drop us a review or a rating or whatever that works, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, which is where we should be Spotify, uh, iTunes slash podcast, Stitcher, uh, that type of stuff. But if we're not someplace where you want us to be, uh, let us know and we'll make that happen. Con, what are you having as your, uh, beverage of choice tonight? I'm having uh session Mexican style lager cerveza. Uh, you know, it is light, refreshing, totally drinkable. Pure gold in a bottle, made for a hot day, a hot date, and everything in between. Uh, straight from the Full Sail website. Uh, yeah, it, it's good. It, it's exactly how you'd expect it to be. How would you say it ranks to other Mexican lagers? I mean, if you were to compare a Tecate or a Corona, or do we say it's, it's better or worse? Above heavier. average or below average? Okay. A little bit heavier. Um, it's been a little warmer as I waited to start this episode. Uh, but, you know, I, I prefer that Tecate a little bit more, uh, that Modelo maybe a little bit more. Those are a little bit more Tecate. crisper, I'd say. I love the Tecate light. I really like Tecate light. You can really suck those down pretty good. Yeah. That's if I don't line, maybe this would be better. Speaking of for a date, we are both in long-term relationships, but there are many people who are not. And I'm sure you're like, where the hell are you going with this? Are you are you also seeing a lot of quarantine dates? Because I feel like I'm seeing because I spend a lot of time because it's the only place you can go to the beach, bike rides, chilling outside. And boy, the amount of people who are bringing charcuterie boards and a full picnic setup, and clearly not enough layers for an evening at Golden Gardens. It's just just a lot of people on these quarantine dates. Have you noticed that or is that just me? Yes and no. I think you just notice more people doing stuff outside together. I don't necessarily mean, you know, it might not necessarily be the first date. Um, I know someone across the hall went on a first date tonight. So maybe. There you go. And maybe it's because of the, the internet. You know, People weren't using it as much beforehand, which led to maybe less dates. Now that you're using the internet more, which might, lead, might you know, increase. It's dates. the only option. Yeah, exactly. But man, I just I overhear so many first, second, or third dates. It's just absolutely insane. But anyway, let's get down to business. I'm having a uh, uh, shoot. What is the name of this beer? Now I just got to remember. It's from Cloudburst. It's their oh, it's their in a perfect world IPA. This is 80 grade can art. If you take a look at my Twitter feed, which is at Colin O'Keefe, Con yours is of course at Conor O'Keefe. Uh, just really 80 grade can art, and it's a delicious IPA. Cloudburst. Uh, has existed down by Pike Place Market for a, a few years. I believe they opened in 2016. Now they just opened a spot in Ballard literally days ago, so I had to go support them, bought a, a four-pack of these, and they're delicious. It's a great IPA, uh, more on the traditional side, but still has a little bit of summer flavor to it. Uh, I'm probably getting the confirmation bias similar to you, Conway. I can't remember the exact des- description, but I remember they said it. Oh, it's got a little... 
hint of like you know sweet fruit and no it's delicious it's uh not too harsh but also far from being a hazy ipa which i'm not a a huge fan of as i've talked about before and deep cut uh zach kornfeld who is in my grade at bamridge high school is uh one of the brewers there or at least was uh as of a couple years ago um and i would imagine he's still there i don't want to say for sure but no cloudburst got a good thing going and we're stoked to have them in ballard um so where should we start where should we start well First things first, um, we said we were going to drop <laughs> this podcast. With, with what? You can probably hear that. <laughs> Fire trucks heading right down Roosevelt right now. My apologies. Let's keep it rolling. I'll put myself on <laughs> no, mute for, for a quick 20 seconds. There we go. Taking a right right <laughs> up the street now. <laughs> it's all good. Um, where we were going to start was, we, you know, we mentioned that we were going to... Uh, record this podcast starting on Wednesday nights, drop them on Thursday, you know, yesterday with all that was going on in the world with what was going on with your Seattle Mariners, it just didn't feel right uh, to drop the podcast at that time. And we'd be remiss if we didn't comment uh, on what the players did uh, in, in, in having a general strike for that game. Uh, You know, it is a strike. It's not a boycott. You can't boycott something you yourself are producing. Uh, So it's, it's a protest, uh, which is, yeah, a form of a strike. So, but still, uh, I was proud of the guys uh, for doing that. I think they were the first team uh, without geographic ties to what happened in Kenosha to say, hey, we're, we're going to hit pause. We're not going to play tonight. Uh, we are going to strike out of respect for, uh, you know, what's happening and what we're sick of happening. Uh, and I was just really proud of what they did. Uh, I thought that was just really. Uh, powerful to see. I think it speaks uh, well of the organization, but particularly of the character of the guys to be able to do that. Um, just seeing, I, I commented on it as it was all breaking yesterday was just such an exhausting day. Speaking of Wednesday, um, as it was breaking, seeing stuff like Jason Hayward uh, pulling himself out of the lineup and saying, I'm not playing tonight. And, you know, apparently he said, I support, you know, the rest of my guys playing, but it, I just really did not want to see a situation where the Mariners uh, you know, you had some guys sit and some guys play that just would have felt really gross. So it was uh, great to see them take a stand. Uh, I thought that was really powerful. Um, and it's just, I mean, if anybody follows on me on Twitter, you know where I stand politically. So it's just, I just thought that was awesome. I was really, really proud of the guys uh, for one, showing solidarity and two, uh, just sending the message uh, that they did. Yeah. Um, so not only did they have I, I the solidarity, was, but other teams. how much other diversity is too. Like yep. diversity just in general in the MLB, it it is widespread as everyone knows. Uh, so I think yeah, they they would be you know failing the community maybe if they if they didn't even do anything. Uh, just mm-hmm. raising awareness is big. Uh, taking the spotlight, you know, some people say hey, this is you know taking the spotlight off of maybe the protest by not them not playing, but it, it really does the opposite. People people understand a little bit more. Cause there there are individuals that you know they don't they don't watch the news every day. They don't read the newspaper every day. That, that stuff happens. Not everyone's on Twitter. Um, and yeah, maybe they heard about it a little bit, but then, you know, maybe they tuned in on Root Sports that night and they saw, dang, uh, Mariners aren't playing. I, w- I wonder why. And then they then they see these great interviews from the players and they go, oh, maybe I could get behind this a little bit. This, this is pretty nice to them. Uh, it means a lot to to the community. So that, that was pretty yeah. cool. And it's just drawing attention to it. I mean, it's 
protests are not supposed to be convenient. I, I you know, I saw uh, something I retweeted from somebody else was a poll at the time of, uh, you know, the sit-ins uh, in the '60s and stuff like that. They were they were not viewed favorably. Uh, and hell, go 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 check out the Facebook comments uh, to the statement from the Mariners about playing. Go check out the replies on Twitter and stuff like that. I still think that comes from a a very very vocal and and partially artificial minority but still uh i've seen that firsthand working there there's a lot of vitriol that comes as a result uh so still it it, it takes a lot for those guys to take the stand that they did and i'm I'm proud of them for doing that um definitely so uh, that's that's you know it just didn't feel right to drop a podcast last night that was the least of our concerns i mean you have a hurricane a pandemic and everything else on top of it it was an exhausting day uh did you but yeah i just wanted to let that breathe did you know Um, that the Mariners have more African Americans on their team than the entire AL West. It's not surprising. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. It, I, I mean, it's crazy had, that. Like last year, I think they had four, and that, that I think that might have even led the majors. This year, they have many more than four. As you know, that's all of you know. Uh, oh, is, last year I they think had more than that, especially late in the season with the. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought it was four to start out the year, or something like that, and that was the most in the MLB. Uh, but this year, yeah, because they. Many more. Yeah, because there was a salute to African American Heritage Night, and they had the 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 programming that they did, and that was with expanded rosters. So you had guys like, God, I'm not. I'm, Keon Broxton is that who I'm thinking of? Keon Broxton, maybe Tim uh, Beckham. Tim Beck. Uh, that was after Tim Beckham, but still at the same time, you had a lot of those guys. Shed Long was on the team by then, um, but Justin hey, uh, I yeah, and and uh, you know not to to dwell on this too much, but I mean, yeah. at the same time, you can't dwell on it enough. Uh, we don't know what those guys go through, and I think you know when you look at what happens with like the Bucks and stuff like that. I mean, there was a player on the Bucks who had, yeah, Sterling you Brown. know, he had to settle with the police department. I mean, this is something that these guys worry about every day. Uh, Justice Sheffield is from Tullahoma, Tennessee. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys are from places where, yeah, you know, if you're driving and you get pulled over, it's it's scary. Uh, and yeah, this is what I wanted to pull up was. There are so many different takes on this, but I do like hearing from uh, somebody in the sports world who uh, just a regular. I just love Joe Burrow. I think he his perspective on things just blows me away time in and time out. And he just said, how can you hear the pain black people are going through and dismiss it as nothing? How can you hear the pain and respond with anything other than I stand with you? Uh, And I just love that perspective, which is I don't know. I don't know how you can look at any of this stuff and, and think anything other than, hey, yeah, I see you're in pain and I stand with you. So, uh, no, proud of the guy for taking, take, sending the message that they did. Um, but let's, 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 uh, dive into the game. So there's a lot going on in the world and it's, it's, it's tough, but we'll, we'll dive into yeah. the games here. Um, Run last time we record, last time we recorded Mariners got there. Things were bad. Things were not good. Last time we recorded the title of the episode was scuffling. And, uh, since then, not so bad. Isn't it kind of weird? Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm in just a, a much better place and it's only one podcast episode that I was, we were like completely in the dumps. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mentioned I mean, it not beforehand. completely. I it's think like, they were off a win, but still, I mean, they got, they got to slow it down a little bit. They, they can't be doing too well or else I'm going to get more angry about, you know, them not doing enough. Uh, so there, there's kind of a middle gap in this. And if they win too many, you know, obviously that hurts our draft position which I, I do care about a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, yes, I like to, you know, beat up on some of these teams who my friends are, they're fans of, you know, got a lot of friends from Southern California. So it's nice to see, nice to see them do well against them. And even if they, you know, 
they played really well against the Dodgers beforehand too. Uh, yeah, which, not that bad. That showed a lot. Yeah, I thought they did really well. I mean, they blew a game, um, but we'll get into that. Yeah, and it's uh, so they they snapped a seven game losing streak in Game Three versus the Dodgers. I think we we you know we spoke rush before that they sweep the Rangers. I just love the Rangers were just in an absolute tailspin. Uh, and the Mariners have passed the Rangers in the standings. The, the starters pitched outstanding down there in Texas. 17 innings pitched, 18 strikeouts, three walks, just a 2.60 ERA. And those starters, I mean, it wasn't like Marco was part of that. It was Justice, uh, Nick, I say Marjavicious, and I'm sure that's not how I pronounce it. I should have looked it up. How'd... Nick, you got it. I'm going to say Mar- yeah. I'm gonna say Marjavicious because that sounds badass. Uh, Nick Marjavicious and Justin Dunn. Dunn made with maybe his best start of the year. Yeah. Um, and it was just great to go there and take care of business and that, that god awful ball. Have you listened to any of the games though that have taken place there? In, in like, Texas? have you watched any of them on TV? The Texas games, or no, just that was briefly. here. Yeah. Oh yes, that gosh. was. But yes, that was here. Um, but the games that are in Texas, we had some earlier. Sa- the sound is just absolutely god awful. They got to. Well, they're that. about to have. Uh, about to have some some playoff games there, potentially even the World Series there, according to some sources on Twitter that were tweeting about it. Yeah, that's what made me think of it was, yeah, John Troop had pointed that out, which was, hey, if they're going to do the World Series there, they got to fix the crowd noise because it sounds atrocious on TV. <laughs> yeah. It's like people's... Oh, God, who is the... I wish I could... Okay, I got to find this tweet. This is from... Uh, maybe... It's it's like one of the funniest tweets that I've seen on Twitter recently, and now I'm never going to find it. And... No, I'm not gonna find it. Uh, it was based. I'll, I'll come back to it. We'll we'll edit that out or something yeah. like that. Um, anyway, quick. Dodgers, you run through the Dodgers. I just, I mean, we spoke like partway through the series. They played well. What do you have on the Dodgers? I really only was mad about the 11-9 loss. To be honest with you, uh, yeah, we played well in that two-one loss as well. Uh, but yeah, the 11-9 loss. I I really just wanted to harp on us with uh, Miguel out there. Uh, we really blew it in that inning. We, he, I was ticked that he went single, single, walk, single. You know, we, we we kept him out there, and then he goes walk, walk, RBI double play. That's that's the one thing he got. One little thing he got. Yes, it was a double play, and then he lets up a homer right afterwards. It's like, come on, just give us a break and put in a new pitcher at that point. Yeah, that was something that we saw today. That was really tough. Was. Uh, the, the the Taylor Williams coming apart of the seam that thinks being bad. Okay, I'm actually coming back to it now. Nicholas Stillman, Rangers, one of the few teams refusing to use artificial crowd noise. They found a small portal to the underworld behind center field and have a mic set up to capture the screams of the damned. <laughs> that just killed me the first time I saw it. And Nicholas Stillman, Nick underscore at AT underscore day has been uh, hilarious on Twitter. Give him a follow. Uh, he's been one of the funniest follows really yeah. in the manners that I've had recently. Uh, but yeah, Dodgers series one. played solid, but didn't do as awesome. I mean, that Monday night was electric. We went down early. We immediately got the lead again. Um, we had a huge, what was that, second inning? I think Evan White had the homer to take the lead. And then, you know, Dodgers went on two separate five-run rallies in that game to, to win it. But yeah, yeah. I'm pretty disappointed. The next night, you know, we went 2-1. That's okay. Wednesday. Six four. All of those three games being good games, I all those those were some of the you know outside of today. I thought the three most fun games of the year, and then eh, the Thursday was kind of a clunker. Uh, Bruce Kershaw. 
Yeah. I mean, that's Kershaw. It's that's that's going to happen. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, we we're talking about sweep the Rangers. Pitt played well. They had that 10-1, I think it was the Saturday win, which is where it just all freaking clicks. Sheffield yeah. looks good. White gets six RBI. Kyle Lewis does his usual thing. Mariners win 10-1. He put on the, the homers in the first game and the third game. That was pretty big. Sixth and seventh homers. Uh, finished up the midseason point on three wins. Yeah, not bad at all. And Justice Sheffield, I like. I saw this stat after this game happened, and it feels so long ago, and it goes back to your point about the six-man rotation where it's like, God, it takes forever for some of these turns to come back around. But mm-hmm. uh, the stat's still good. Sheffield, over his last three starts, has gone 2-0 and with an ERA of an even one, 16 strikeouts, and two walks in 18 innings against the Rockies, Astros, and Rangers. Rockies and Astros, good clubs. Rangers, eh, not so much. And I mean, yeah. Astros are not awesome. I guess the Rockies are probably the no, they're, they're good. They're, they're doing terrible. well. I mean, it's not they, the Pirates. They've been, they've been pretty hot lately, at least. And yeah, we mentioned it before the podcast. Uh, Chef is up to 22nd in F4, but of course you have to, every time you want to look up these dang Mariner pitchers, you have to adjust their, their innings. So like when I, when I hopped onto fan graphs and I was like, Oh, Marco, sweet. He's actually qualified right now. And then give it a day or two. And you know, he probably won't as every other pitcher in baseball catches up to it again. Marco 28th and more just wanted to put that in comparison to chef. Yeah. And Sheffield at 22, I don't have the leaderboard in front of me, but the guy in front of him is, isn't Sheffield at like, 20 something innings and and the guy one spot ahead of him is at like 45 yeah the guy in front of him is at 45 innings so it's dang it's yeah it's a whole different ball game if you were i hate to do war per inning because war is a counting stat and it helps how much you're out there particularly for a starter but when you're in a six-man rotation that's kind of a whole different thing Mm -hmm. it's a big deal Uh, it's definitely definitely which was the crazy part is you know i do get a little worried when we when we you know pop up baseball savant earlier and i think it was just about every every single peripheral was you know uh was below average it was in the blue if anyone you know pulls up baseball savant you can see what you know the opponent's expected bad and average would be what their expected slugging percentage would be you know what his velocity is what his spin is on his fastball so forth uh those sort of things i'm trying to think of what the one category was that he was actually above average in um, it might have been hard hit contact or something similar than that. I think it was. Uh, yeah. So yeah, those and things those are things a little like, worrisome. But hmm, what can you do? It's like uh, somebody pointed out that uh, uh, Goose, a long time, we'll say realist of the Lookout Landing comment section, uh, mm-hmm. pointed out that Joey Gerber's stuff hasn't looked amazing and he hasn't been missing that many bats. And I just said, listen, I'm not going to worry about style points at this point. That's a that's a problem for future Colin to have to worry about. And even with Justice, like if yeah. he's, it isn't as if it's like just, you know, super, it isn't as if it's looked like luck. Uh, he's looked solid. I think we've kind of known that he's not a, a, he doesn't throw a high spin fastball. So that's challenging. I know he's tried to up that by throwing the two seamer more. Um, mm-hmm. Would it be great if you were at the 85th percentile and above and everything for sure, but still hard not to like uh, what you're seeing. And it isn't yeah. all results based. He's striking people out and he's not walking them. And that second part uh, is really the biggest, not issuing those walks. Cause that just, that's been a yeah. hallmark of his early career was having, those he has walks. an even better FIP. Um, and yeah, the guy exactly. ahead of him is Jermaine Marquez. He has 42 innings pitch. The guy behind him is Zach Plezak with 21 innings pitch. Pretty good. The other guys behind him are Aaron Nola. Um, Rick Porcello, that has a good year every other year. Kevin Gosman and Zach Wheeler. And then Mark. Yeah, but Zach Plesak's just a minor leaguer. Now he is, yeah. <laughs> 
anyway, as we get into some other stuff, we of course had this series against the Padres. Uh, I was texting a buddy and he made a good point that it was kind of like a measuring stick and like, okay, where do the Mariners stand against a team that's like on the other side of having rebuilt? Like, where do they stand kind of against that team? And obviously you can't judge in a three game series. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, this was a series the Mariners had that should have swept and should be holding on to a six game winning streak. Uh, Tuesday, I thought was one of the better wins of the year. Just so fun to watch. Um, in the first half of the doubleheader today, Taylor Williams just comes apart at the seams. I mean, that was tough to and he's tough our, to watch. He's our best reliever. That's the thing. I mean, it's like part of you wants to blame it on oh shucks Mariners bullpen, but then there's the other part where it's like you know some of those things happen. I mean, and then some of them are yeah. Did Dan Altavilla come in and give up two singles and a bomb? Yeah, that happened. <laughs> yeah, but it, the damage was already done. Uh, yeah, in, in my point. I mean, this, the other two singles, they had already tied it up at that point. The homer was just icing on the top right there. And it's but, so tough because, like, afterwards, you're like, the manager should have gotten him out of it. Scott should have gone and got him when it was just absolutely – I mean, there was I – mean, I, I was able to watch it on the iPad, and you could see Williams, you know, bouncing sliders off guys' shins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Someone texted me, oh, I just tuned in for the <laughs> the wild pitches. I was like, gosh, dang it. And then on the other hand, it's like, theoretically, I could have gone in and gotten the Mariners out of that. Like, it's no way. Within, no They way. needed one out. You needed you a fly have, out. You couldn't have thrown three strikes in a row without throwing four balls. I don't know if I'm throwing then, four, if I'm throwing forty up there. I think they're going to be taking swings. That's no, how close. They would have belted some homers. I'm just saying. Okay, well, if you put a position player in and a bad position player pitcher at that, you have probably a fifty fifty chance of getting one out before you give up four runs. Yeah, at yeah. worst. I mean, and I and still that goes think back to that Dodgers play. game too. It's like, yeah, do do they really care to the whole point? No, some of these games that just like. You don't really think they're trying to win. I mean, but that one was, that was one with Williams where I thought so. And I think Scott was thinking, hey, I got my best reliever out there as bad as it is. Can he not get and one out with the double header? He probably didn't want to you know, use another guy. That's part of it. That's part of it. Yeah. And, and I know, tweeted after the I, first game when we got up early in the second game. I was like, well, shoot, we, we already used some of our good relievers. So this is going to have bad news written all over it after the big end versus Richards. And it looked like there was about to be like a one run game, like a bunch of times super early where you're like, I can't believe they're going to do this again. Yeah. Um, but nice I mean, to, to their testament. Uh, in oh, game one of the whole series. Uh, so game one, when we won on uh, Tuesday, Paddock roughed up. Eh, he's, he's having a rough year. Evan White, he did well. Marco pitched great. Uh, he had the three earned. And Crawford, first homer of the season. That was a little surprising to hear. Uh Yeah. Crawford's WRC, I mean, at the time, entering that game, his WRC Plus was at, like, 75. And now it's up to 90, which isn't great. But, boy, you would just love to see him finish yeah. the season around 110 slump. and not 90. Yeah. And he's slugging only 319. And that's, that's I mean, his OBP, even for, you know, struggling, is at 336, which isn't bad, especially for a glove for a shortstop. But I we know he's got that power. That's why we worked on all year. He's capable of hitting that type of bomb. And now it's just a matter of finding the doubles, finding that type of stuff. Yep. And then game two, um, LJ Newsom. what'd you think of him? Pretty good. That's one of the <laughs> things that's actually kind of a bummer about the, uh, 
uh, Tyler Walker trade is it looked like the bullpen was really starting to solidify to some extent with Gerber, with Fletcher, with Newsom. Mm-hmm. And now you'll probably have to see Newsom in the rotation. Fingers crossed for a Logan Gilbert call up, but I doubt it. Uh, but LJ Newsom, he's he's making it happen. He and, and, and I mean, I think the suspicion was that once this guy gets to the major league level, it's just not going to play. Uh, but man, this dude, I don't know. Early on, it's hard to judge, but if he carved out a you know a career as a as a back end rotation guy, wouldn't shock me. It'd be nice. Yeah, but it, no, it, more yeah, than anything, nice, it's just I... good to see. It's just good to see. It's just I don't know. I think or this early, it's hard to judge, but it's still good to see a guy have success early, and especially no, just yeah against that line against that lineup and those dudes. It was it was impressive. Mm-hmm. One uh, thing though that we meant. Yep. Game. Yeah. Game three. I still I'm like if I were a position player, I'd just be crushed when the bullpen did that type of stuff, especially because like game. Yeah. Or game two. You lead, you blow it, and then you claw back the lead again, and then you just give it all the way. It would be more than understandable if the offense was just absolutely deflated in game three, and then they come out and hang a six spot. So pretty good to see. Yeah, Haggerty continued his nine-game hitting streak. Unfortunately, Kyle Lewis no longer had the 11-game hitting streak, but I believe he had two walks in that game. So just give it a few more days, and you're about to hear uh, – well, give it a day, and you're going to hear that. And he's reached basically base in 12 straight games. That, that'll continue. Yeah, exactly. The reach base safely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just exactly. extends from hinge streak to the reach base safe streak all the time. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, hey, credit to the Mariners PR staff. That's what they're looking for. That's what they tee up the broadcasters with. And Lewis keeping it going. So what are you going to do? He's always got some kind of streak going. So that's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, he, I- you know, dip for a quick second and then, wow, he is on fire again. He's. I, I was like kind of starting to think, oh, it feels like a bit since we've seen a bomb. I wonder where his WRC plus is. It's probably fallen back into more normal good versus absolutely spectacular insane good. And nope, still up at 173, which is yeah, absolutely insane. But I think he's six and going, one. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Going back to something you mentioned before, are the Mariners winning too much? I'm st- but because for me they're kind of flirting with. Uh, God, I wish they wouldn't have lost a couple of those games in there because then we'd really be flirting with something. <laughs> yeah, like maybe they could have gotten a little bit better of a bullpen and we, we wouldn't be so atrocious. Because I think you mentioned we, we were leading the league in quality starts for a bit or second behind like the Indians. Yeah, and I mean, the rotation has looked super tolerable. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's tough headed into a season like this to say what you should have done. I'm more so thinking like performatively, I wish they hadn't done this. The only place where you can find like actual wildcard standings right now is Yahoo Sports, at least as far as what I so found. So weird. Because it's really weird. And even right now, if I go to Yahoo Sports, which is normally trustworthy, it lists the Mariners as being nine and a half back of the wildcard spot. But I'm pretty sure that's the division number because the mm-hmm. team in front of them, Detroit at 13 and 16, is five and a half back. And the team behind them, Kansas City at 12 and 19, is seven and a half back. So I'm fairly sure the Mariners are six and a half back. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, but they're five but, back of the Astros. But it's like, um, if you wouldn't have gotten absolutely pants by the Astros, you might be three back of a playoff spot. Okay. <laughs> We've been getting pants by the Astros. How many aren't we like one in 24 versus them now? I know, but they're mediocre this year. It's like they're a 500 team they're, probably when they don't play improving. the Astros. And they're, they're going to finish six games above 500 according to fan graphs. 
But yeah, we are in a four-way tie in projected standings for the second uh, last place in the major. Looks like the Pir- Pirates got the Kumar Rocker sweepstakes pretty much locked oh, up. That's but the, you know, the Al Leiter Suns sweepstakes are still well and alive at the moment. So uh, uh, hopefully he drops. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, this this is supposedly a really good class for pitching prospects. So if we don't get that second pick, we kind of do need position players. Maybe we'll luck into a good one. If the Mariners ripped off another five games and flirted with the playoff spot, I wouldn't. I'm the guy who like would say now, God, I wish, oh, I wish the Mariners, uh, you know, I'm the guy who's like, oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, if it's a top five pick, top seven pick, there's not that big of a difference. And boy, on draft day, does that change in a hurry. It does. Particularly if you, <laughs> especially if you end up at like three, that's always the spot where it's like, ooh, boy, we could get Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, or... Mike Zanino. Especially this fine, year, it could be big. If, if, if people start going for the college players that you've seen more of, it could make a mm-hmm. big difference with that. But yeah, of course, it could mean that some guys that are drafting later. But the Mariners, you know, usually you don't get those guys um, on teams like the Mariners. Usually, you know, Angels, yeah, they got Trout, but it's because they have a lot of money. You see teams like the Yankees, um, you know, they're they're able to spend more um, on those high school players. Not spend more money, but, you know, if they, if they fail – they fail miserably. They don't have to worry about it because they have enough money to spend on really good players. Yeah. And it's like, on the one hand, the Mariners did get Lewis at 11. On the other, he was the freaking Golden Spikes Award winner. So it isn't like he was a real sleeper. Yeah, but so so was Ricky Weeks. <laughs> Just <kidding>. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He was good That's months. true. Uh, let's bounce into the trade deadline. The trade deadline's coming up. It is August 27th. I believe the trade deadline is August 31st, uh, mm-hmm. which is not far off. We've already seen the first move which is the Mariners' bid ado to Tywon Walker. That was one of those things where it really felt like when the Mariners signed him, it was like, oh, Twitter saying, oh, they got to sign him. Oh, it'd be great. And it feels like those things never actually happen. And they actually signed him. It was great. And it was a it was a nice little uh, second go around. He, he, he departs. He departs for presumably not much. But, hey, it's something, I guess. Yeah, I was happy with it. Hopefully we get the reunion again, even. Um, I know it would just be for a year, uh, but it would be nice if we could get that back in again. And then, hey, maybe trade him again at next year's deadline. And let's get let's get the crew back together with, with Paxton. Isn't he, He's a free agent, though. He's like a full free agent after this year. Yeah, he is. Um, so that, that would be pretty cool. Let's, let's see what Danny Holtzen's up to, too. Yeah. I, Where's Brandon Morrow offered- at? That, that, yeah, exactly. that, that's a little bit out there. But yeah, with with Ty, you know, you know, I don't want to get into him being you know really good or anything like that. He he was not great. He had an FIP at four four nine four, which is which is nothing spectacular. He's going into the Blue Jays as I would assume maybe their fifth starter. Everyone knows he has that low FP velocity, uh, below average spin. Uh, the one thing he is good at was uh, preventing hard hits this year. So if he can keep doing that, yes, he'll be good with it. But that also went with his pretty good K to BBB ratio, which I think was similar to Justice's around that eight to under three range. Yeah. One of the things that's that this makes me think of is like to get a player to be named later or cash and not even a known player off the bat is this is just going to be a weird trade deadline. And I think a whole weird second half of the season where I just feel like the way that teams are going to look at this is it's not a a full real season. Like you're not going to have teams Mm -hmm. be like, Oh, I'm going for it. Or teams say, Oh, I'm not going for it just because it feels so random. 
like, I don't know. It just feels like a guy like Taiwan would at least net a known name in a normal season. Not a good prospect, but like, oh, here's Jake Fraley. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just feels like you're not going to see the level of movement that we expect or would hope to see just because it all feels so like trivial. I don't know. It just because yeah. like supposedly we got a top 30 prospect from the Jays. Yeah, top 30 in their system. I mean, uh, who's like, let's say you were getting. So the Mariners have a, one of the yeah. three best farms in baseball, which is They're probably fourth. not. Yeah, probably the not Jays. too far yeah. from the Jays. Uh, so mm-hmm. let's see who you would be getting. Theoretically, I, I guess has Yenzi Diaz, I believe his name was. Uh, he's a reliever. I think he uh, he's the exact 30th best prospect in them. Um, and the reason why I went with him was because I don't think we're going to be getting a position player, quite honestly, back in return. I think that's a little high to ask. Uh, the other guys in their system that were pitchers, they had more of the ETA in the 2022-2023 range. I don't think we're going to get those guys. Most of them had a lot more high upside than we would be getting in this trade. Uh, the reason why I yes. went with Diaz is because he was signed for a decent amount of money in 2014 at the same time as Vladdy uh, Guerrero Jr. Uh, he was on the team last year. Um and he is not on the alternate squad, which there was, I think, one or two other players that I said, oh, maybe this could be a guy that the Mariners are getting that's top 30 in their system. But they are on that 60-man alternate squad. So that's why I went with this guy. He did pitch last year um, and had Tommy John surgery. So it could be a bounce-back candidate. So that's my that's my prediction in you know six months when we – or actually three months when we find out. I'll be uh, – I'm not pronouncing his name right. Yanis Diaz. And I'll be honest, I know nothing about – that guy or any of their guys oh, I like either. i haven't even looked <laughs> but like the equivalent for the mariners like let's go 20 to 30 in the mariner system is joey gerber aaron fletcher sam delaplane joe rizzer taylor gibbo donovan walton wyatt mills art warren jose Cornell, lj newsom tim elliott so if you were getting a position player you're probably getting joe rizzo or donovan walton if you were mm-hmm. getting a pitcher you're, there's no way uh, you're going to get a Jose Cornell type, which is a, a, a legit lottery ticket. You're probably looking at something like LJ Newsom. So if you're wondering what the equivalent would be if for a name that you might be familiar with, probably going to be a, a, a Newsom, Walton, Joe Rizzo type. Yeah. Uh, and that's no disrespect to them. It's just that's... that's and you know, those that's guys are a little bit right older um, than, than those guys I've seen in the Jays system. I know Lookout Landing said, you know, there's a number of, you know, left side of the infielder guys that they could go with. I, I just thought all of them, you know, they were above that 23 range, which I thought was a little high. And I think their ETAs for the bigs might have been, you know, a little bit more than a year. Uh, I just don't think position players going to yield is going to get us. I don't think Ty was going to get us a position player, to be quite honest. And I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if the Mariners got a reliever from for him either. I mean, I think they trust their scouting. I mean, you look at a guy like Aaron Fletcher and you're like, I, I, I was going to say, I mean, Aaron Fletcher was traded for Ronas Elias, part of that weird Ronas Elias, Hunter Strickland mm-hmm. trade. And I would say at the time when they were traded, there's a decent chance Aaron Fletcher was as good as Ronas Elias based on what we've seen mm-hmm. right now. Like, so if they went and got that type, it wouldn't shock me. But I just think... This trade market is not going to be. I mean, just imagine playing the World Series come October, uh, November. You're going to have we're still going to be fighting the pandemic, still going to be dealing with everything else going on in the world. You're going to have the most hotly contested presidential election that we've ever had, which is going to feel like the end of the world versus not the end of the world. 
Uh, so the idea that you're going to go out and trade for, you know, the the Garrett Coles of the world, the the elite level players, and that's going to push you over the top, and you're going to hoist the World Series trophy, and it's going to feel awesome. I don't know. I, I just feel like owners, front offices, and those types, it just doesn't feel like a full real baseball season. And as a result, this, this, the stakes and the movement aren't going to be quite as high. Yeah, I think that is just as much to do that with the guys, uh, you know, not playing a full minor league season. Uh, you don't have it. access to what all of those other teams are doing. You know, obviously we have reporters uh, looking at, you know, all of those Tacoma games, but it's just not the same. You, you can't really see how a guy is doing. I think some teams might be worried that another team has inside track on if a guy is, you know, has low velocity or, you know, slightly injured or something like that. So you're, I think you're only going to trade with other GMs that you really trust maybe. That's another thing. Um, And then, um, actually, last one I wanted to mention is, dang, those Padres should probably get some pitching. Their their bullpen is atrocious as well, I think I was seeing. They had like the sixth worth ERA. It might have even been the fourth worst ERA in baseball for bullpens. They want to win some games. They got to get some relievers. And it's just like, it's hard to... Wow, I was wondering how they were doing. Padres are... Five back of the Dodgers. God, the Dodgers are twenty four and nine. Holy crap! Yeah, I kind of hope that's they make just... the World Series. The Dodgers, and then hopefully they play someone that's somewhat good, and they'll feel all like a normal World Series again. I'm so worried about the Dodgers in that three game series, though, because <laughs> I, I like the Dodgers. I, I I actually root for the Dodgers in the playoffs because I feel like there's some shady stuff that they do. Yes, but for the most part, they do things the right way. They've had good process. They had good development. They've had good almost everything. Uh, they're extending Mookie bets. It's just like, you feel like they deserve it. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's maybe, I don't know people like to root against them because they feel to some people like the West coast Yankees. I don't know. To they me, it, it just doesn't feel that they are. And they, I feel like they go a little bit different way. Like, but. I, like I, I don't like Eric. Um, what's his name? AJ Pollock. I don't, I don't like him simply because there's, no, there's other teams in baseball just aren't going to sign a guy like AJ Pollock for a bunch of money when he had like one good year. Yes. He's a center fielder and, could do really well going down the road, but no other team is going to jump out with a ton of money But for him. Yes, it was, I thought it was just kind of a luxury. So that's why I dislike that one. But outside of that, you know, I like him for the most part because a lot of those guys, yeah, are homegrown. It's like, how the how, how did you get another guy like this? Where did Dustin Mays come from? Where did Walker Buehler come from? Oh, they're so good. Even Max Muncy is really good. Jeez Louise. You know, Turner, Bellinger, um, all those guys are homegrown. I think even Austin Barnes. Yes, he's not anything amazing, but still, he's pretty good. Jansen, he went to Driveland this year. Jansen, that was that was kind of cool. Um, and even Joe Kelly, you gotta like that guy. Yeah, and I think yeah, exactly. And I think it's no mystery that the Mariners and probably a bunch of other organizations would love to be like the Dodgers. You're not going to spend you know two twenty to two forty in payroll, but as far as the player development success, as far as the drafting and development success, where it's just. You know, you rubber st- you basically draft a guy and he's rubber stamped as a you know top one hundred prospect. You just keep moving, and they just mm-hmm. look outstanding. And they turn great prospects into good major leaguers, one after another after another. Yeah, and they can take time with those guys, like I mentioned yep. too. Uh, you know, they have the luxury of taking risk on those guys. You know, with the higher upsides because they know, hey, if they don't pan out, we got we can spend as much money as anyone else and get a good player mm-hmm. to fill up that spot. Definitely a bigger margin for error than than a lot of people uh back to the trade deadline one of the pieces that the mariners have of course such a weird one kyle seager kyle Mm -hmm. seager is having getting back to being 
Kyle Seager himself, he's running a 137 WRC plus, which as far as where that would rank for him, that would be the best WRC plus of his career tied with 2016 or not tied. It would Mm -hmm. be three points ahead. Uh, So he's hitting like prototypical Kyle Seager. He right now ranks as the sixth most valuable shortstop in the game. Uh, Third base. Yes. At third base, the sixth most, what did I say? Prospect. I don't know. Sixth most valuable third baseman. Yeah. Shortstop. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sixth most valuable third baseman. Uh, 2021. He's owed $18 million. This is where it gets really weird. I think everybody knows this. His $15 million club option for 2022 becomes a player option with for traded. And then Cott's contract says, quote, option may increase by $5 million to $20 million based on award and plate appearances with buyout ranging from none to $3 million. It, with it being based on plate appearances, I would guess he's going to hit that. So you're probably looking at $20 million for the team taking him on in basically 2021 and 2022. So... I mean, he's playing himself into it. He's definitely got a chance right now if a team like the Braves uh, goes after him. There is a chance there. I don't want to see him go. He is doing amazing this year. He's, I think he's got – someone said he is like one of the highest block rates in baseball or something like that, uh, which is pretty dang good. I'm Looking at it, he does not um, on percentages. But I think they might have been talking just about the, uh, the, the walks to strikeouts. As you look at this, uh, you know, you oh, go yeah. down the third base list. And the only other guy that really compares to his walks to strikeouts is Anthony Rendon. Um, that's pretty crazy. Another guy that has similar ones is Alex Bregman. And if you look at the guys ahead of Seager, um, Jose Ramirez, um, Mincata, and Chapman, the three guys directly ahead of Seager. These are more, some of the he, best he, players in baseball. Yeah, he blows out them in, in WRC Plus right now. And it was just less than a week ago where Seager had a higher war than Chapman. I would, I would argue that Seager's having a much better year than Chapman, too. Yes, it comes down to the defense. Seager's has made a few errors this year. He is absolutely raking, and it, it's awesome to see. Um, I'm disappointed that it's in a full season because I like to see Seager climb up the chart for all-time Mariners, especially in terms of war. I think he's already got that fourth spot locked up in position war. But, uh, yeah, especially because he theoretically may only have one more season in a Mariners uniform. Yeah, That's exactly. That's wild. Uh-huh. And and the thing is, yeah, out of nowhere, he has an 11% or 11.8% strikeout rate. He's basically never that low. He's, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who's running. I mean, it's not abysmal. It's not the 25, but last year, 19, year before that, 21, year before that, 17, year before that, 16. You know, his lowest, you know, 14.3 in 2015. It's That's out of nowhere, 11% walk rate, 11.8% strikeout rate. Yeah, the thing that like he- I... It's not like his bad balls in play is anything, you know, extraordinary. There's there's guys with much higher ones in front of him. It's not the highest he's had in a career, and that's not even over a full season. So it's not like this isn't, you know, everything about this, all the stats that you're looking at right now, it, it says one thing, and I think you'd agree with that. It says it's sustainable. Uh, those yeah, walks he looks, mean it a lot. He looks like prime Kyle Seeger. That's the thing. And this is where I worry about kind of the stakes of the season and how much people care about what's happening because in a somewhat normal season, what you could do is you could go out and buy a top mm-hmm. 100 prospect. You would say, Hey, so-and-so here's $15 million. You mm-hmm. owe Kyle Seeger. So let's see. It's like Kyle Seeger's owed roughly $40 million over the next two years. That's again, very mm-hmm. rough because it's 18 and maybe 20. Uh, so you would go to a team and say, you owe Kyle Seeger, Let's say, I guess you, 
let's get caught. Like, we're going to throw in $10 million. Who can we buy out of your farm for $10 million? And the thing is right now, the thing that makes us really interesting as far as whether or not it would still be possible is these owners are feeling it big time. Uh, they're gouging their front offices. Uh, they have no fans in the ballpark. God knows what the corporate deals look like. They're getting any, I mean, that's why you see the tarps with sponsors in the outfield. That's why you see uh, in, in at bat commercial breaks where you say, here, here's a word from, you know, uh, I don't know, AM, PM. Here's a word from Jack in the box. They're looking for all the dollars that they can get. So if you wanted to, you know, if your owner was saying, Hey, we're, we're doing okay. We're going to throw $10 million to go buy a prospect. Kyle Seager is exactly the type of player that you would want to go do it with. Cause Hey, is another team going to want to take Kyle Seager on at $40 million for two years? You know, maybe not, but can we get that down to 30 for two years where he's a $15 million player that starts to feel normal. Can we get it down to 24 for two years, $12 million Mm -hmm. player that starts to feel really good. But if you wanted to go out, I, I don't know what it looks like in a normal situation, you know, when you're only getting him for a month before the postseason. Uh, but still, that's one of those things where if you were an owner who wanted to really be about winning and winning first and foremost above all else, you could. And I'm not saying they should because uh, there's just so much sentiment tied up in Kyle Seeger. But this is the type of player where you would say or the type of deal and the type of player where you'd say, we're going to go out and we're going to buy a top 100, a top 50 prospect uh, because we're going to throw in so much money that the owner is just going to say, Hey GM, we want this guy. Uh, I don't care. Trade him. If this is mm-hmm. it's too much money, I want it. Yeah, I'm um, stoked. But about I don't know. Pill. Yeah. The poison pills, the, that poison yeah. pill is tough. That's what makes it so interesting is the thing. Yeah. Last one, one six lowest K rate baseball. So weird. It's so weird. Speaking of another great guy, because we we always say we're going to roar through this and we never do. Austin Nola. How about Mm -hmm. Austin Nola? I was surprised he didn't get traded last year. I think this year makes it more funky with with the short season. Last year, I was like, good team. If you're a good, smart team, Austin Nola is the guy you jump all over last year. Because this year, theoretically, the price has gone up. He looks really good. Amazing. we've, We've been talking a lot about baseball savant lately. And, you know, they listed on those five, six categories and every one of his categories is red hot all the way to the right. Um, just absolutely great. I think the two that aren't is the barrel percentage. Yes, that that's, that kind of stinks. But I think that's evident of him not being the best player in baseball, because if that were up, he, he would probably be the best player in baseball. Um, and then spring or spring sprint speed is the other one that was not great. And then. His uh, pitch frame is 50%, which isn't bad, too. Exit velocity in the 73rd percentile. An expected batting average, he's 87 percentile. That's pretty crazy. And the thing is, is he seems kind of like an old-school player, but alternatively, he's like exactly a modern player. And that, Mm -hmm. okay, first, let's just, I mean, this we got to get this out there. 2020, he is right now, as of recording this, tonight, uh... 11:25 p.m. on August 27th. He is the most valuable catcher in the game of baseball in 2020. He's beating out all of them. Said JT Rio Muto. Mm-hmm. He's the most valuable catcher in the game right now. Mariners backup catcher is by Fangraphs War the best pet catcher in the game. So that's insane. We could be I, using Tim Murphy still though. It they would both Tom, be gone. Yeah, off. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they could yeah. both be going off. You could be platoon. I guess you wouldn't be platooning them because they're both righties. One but, DH. Yeah, so you have a guy who's playing full time catcher and is just been as better than anybody at it. But he could theoretically, if you traded him, he can play first base. You could slide him in at second base and kind of the uh, Austin mm-hmm. Barnes. Does Contreras play there? I don't think Contreras plays second. Uh, but Barnes does. Uh, if you wanted to throw him out and left, he'd probably survive. Uh, I don't know about third. I'm not as sure as that, but he was a shortstop in college. He's not going to yeah. be a shortstop now, of course. Um, but if you wanted to throw him at third, maybe. But still, even as just a catcher, you're getting one of the best catchers in the game. Best we can tell here right now, which is absolutely batshit insane. But you also get that versatility. I just don't know if, if people are willing to pay for that right now. But in a normal season, boy, would no, that be enticing. Let's keep these guys. I, I want to keep these guys. I don't know what his contract is like. Um, but I want I want to see how these guys are next year. Um, Noah's fun. Yes, he's 30 years old. Big whoop. I also did not know he is brothers with Darren Noah. That is nuts. Um, I know, right? <laughs> dang. Uh, who's who's the older, better brother now? No, I'm kidding. Uh, it actually Aaron is. Noah's yeah, that's pretty year. crazy. They're both doing well. They would. There's a chance that they would both be all-stars this year, but I don't think so because, you know, they only do one all-star from every team. Well, one all-star from the Mariners, and that would be... It would be having run those all-star voting contests. It's hard to beat out the popular guys, especially even if you're Austin Nola. Oh yeah. Played. Yeah. Uh, And Austin Nola, that's the thing with the age is the thing because contract, he's not a free agent until 2026. He will be 36 years old for his first season after this matters deal. What'd you say? You say I kind of feel bad or that's not bad. Yeah, I feel bad. He he deserves more money. Um, I know. He'll and, never get a big deal. He'll never get, I mean, his best, I mean, that's not to say he won't get, he makes $600,000 every year. And then in arbitration, he'll make 2 million, 5 million. Maybe he'll get mm-hmm. up to 10 million. So maybe his career earnings will probably be, if he's lucky, 10 to $15 million. But still it's like this dude, if he cashed in right now and he's 30, he'd get a 40, $30 million deal theoretically. Yeah, and he didn't even start playing catcher till 2016. He played in the fall day. 2017, he caught 75 games. Um, actually, he caught a little bit more, over 100. Um, and then he caught, in 2018, he caught 68 games. Not too much, not too much at all. Um, and then 2019, he caught seven games with the Mariners. Just seven. It's- so they, like, I, I think um, Goldsmith, he was trying to figure out if he was one of the if how many players had caught less games in the minor leagues and ended up being an opening day catcher to start out, which yes, I think they're ended up being a little bit more than expected. Uh, probably due to some, you know, really fast track prospects. Uh, and maybe because, you know, catchers aren't known to hit sometimes. So they call it prospects just because they're good at fielding, but that is yeah. pretty dang impressive to, you know, catch mm-hmm. less than well under, well under 200 games, I think around 150 games, 170 um, and get called up and be your opening day starter and perform this well and not actually be detrimental to your team in terms of ability to catch ball games. The thing, the the 10,000 the foot view, at least from my standpoint with Austin Nola, is Austin Nola is the type of guy that good front offices find and make happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Brent Stecker has made this great, he's, he's underscored it really well, which is, you know, when we traded away Chris Taylor, it was like, God, why are we always the type of team that trades away this type of guy? And then they're amazing someplace else. You know, it's not quite like that for another team, but he, Brent went back and grabbed this great quote, which was, and I love Brent at seven ten. 
Uh, I love the folks at 710. Hope everybody over there staying, hanging tough. Uh, Steve and Lydia have to depart there. Uh, while somebody like Jason Rance is still on the whole Bonneville airwaves, bugs me to crap. But anyway, uh, Brent Stecker doing an awesome job. The great quote that he pulled from Jerry was, uh, the next time Chris Taylor, a player like Chris Taylor happens, we want him to happen for us. Uh, and now you have that type of thing happening uh, where Mariners find a guy like that. They make some developmental adjustments, uh, which they did with him. They helped him with the swing to a certain extent. They weren't the people that had him play catcher, but at the same time, they found him. They brought him into their program. Uh, and now you, you know, you're reaping the results. This is the mark of a good front office when you yeah. have Austin Nola playing well, when you have Dylan Moore playing out of his mind uh, is a little bit, you know, it's it's not it's not like what the Dodgers do. It is mm-hmm. to some extent because they have their Max Muncies, and obviously we're mm-hmm. talking about Chris Taylor. But it's a little bit more like uh like what Oakland does when you find uh you know a 28, 29, 30 year old at the exact right time and do the exact right thing, and they just hit their athletic prime at the exact right time. But still, players like Austin Nola are the mark of a good front office. So it's good to see not just for him, uh, but just you know as far as how well that reflects on what the the baseball ops crew is doing. Yeah, no, that was a good transition into Sam Haggerty. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sam Haggerty's playing well as well. I don't think yeah. he's getting traded though. Is there anybody yeah, else that we see third franchise? Traded? Oh, I, okay. Yeah, in terms of getting traded, there's a chance Marco gets moved, but in this year, you're probably not going to mm-hmm. see too many prospects leave. The only reason why I say that is because he's just so valuable, especially with his contract. He's locked up, um, and it's not too much money. But I also think we like having him as our, you know. Yeah, you don't sign him to a contract extension to trade him. Yeah, Uh, he's kind of the face of the franchise, too, at the moment. Eh, Yeah. Soon, maybe not. Hirano hasn't pitched that much. Maybe move him. The guy that I could maybe see moved is Altavilla. You're not going to get, you know, a shutdown eighth inning dude, but that stuff, it's tantalizing for the Mariners. I'm sure it's tantalizing for Dan. It would be tantalizing for another team. It's like you have a guy that throws high 90s, high 90s mm-hmm. with a slider that really snaps. If somebody out there can make it all click, boy, it would be nice. And maybe somebody enough gets you know tantalized by that to make it happen. As far yeah. as whether enough, as far as whether or not they're willing to pay enough to make it worth it, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any comments on Haggerty next though? I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. It's good to see, but it's just like every time I even see him, I'm like, oh, yeah, Sam Haggerty. Oh, yeah, he's playing pretty well. But yeah, like, I haven't nine game been that much. Run? Yeah, he's playing well. Yeah, hits in both games today. Uh, the only thing is, it, it is before today. Now, Fangraphs isn't updated. Only 3.8% walk rate. That is not encouraging. Of course, he's only had 34 plate appearances after today. Uh, and to show that he hasn't even played that much, we don't even get any of that baseball savant interview. Or, info so that's that's a little disappointing but that'd be fun if we continue to see good he's yep was on the indians got drafted by them and just a few years ago went on to the mets and now he's on to the mariners so be nice to see him do well yep exactly um exactly you want to uh, run on some maybe mid-season awards or what, what are you thinking i was gonna say one quick offshoot i'm terrified about the seven white injury to perfectly honest based on you just don't mess with shoulders he's been playing so well and I'm terrified about this injury. Like, do you remember what happened to, uh, I'm like, really, honestly, it's, it, I'm, I'm terrified of speaking it into existence, but, uh, God, Zach Cozart, Zach Cozart dove for a ball, hurt his shoulder and his career was never the same ever again. So I'm trying, I feel terrible even saying it, but I just want tomorrow and the days after to come to be, Oh yeah, just a little contusion. He's fine. He felt a little bit funky, but he's doing okay now. I just, 
shoulders. He'll be okay either way. He's he's young. Um, no matter what happens, he's going to be able to bounce back. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, why not, why not do – I mean, I was going to transition into Kyle Lewis, Rookie of the Year watch. He leads uh, – I think it's him and Luis I – I know, I always struggle because it's Luis like – Luis Robert. Luis Robert. Uh, he leads him 1.7 to 1. 1.2, 133 to that absurd 176. Man, Kyle, unless he falls off a cliff, you're going to be staring at, if we have fans in the ballpark next year, Kyle Lewis, Rookie of the Year bobblehead night, which is going to be badass. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was so funny. They played the, uh, you know, quick pitch highlights the other night. And they're like, the Padres and Mariners, some of the two most exciting young teams in baseball. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome that they'd even say when, that, even though they're, they're stretching it a little rolling, bit. Though, but... It feels like it. You feel it. When Evan, mm-hmm. you get a game where Evan White hits a bomb and Kyle hits a bomb and JP makes a good defensive play, which isn't that rare, you feel it. I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. like after that Tuesday night game where it all clicks, you know, I, I don't know. I got a text from somebody that works at the Mariners that sent me the potential lineup for 2020, 2021. You, you start to see it. You kind of start to see it mm-hmm. and you start to see. Yeah. But I mean, I just can't wait till we have one of those teams like the Padres and the White Sox where you have, you have yeah. Jared in the lineup, you have Julio in the lineup and it's, Hey, you know, we may not be the Dodgers yet, but we're, uh, we're a team that scares teams like the Dodgers uh, or scares teams like the Astros. So the one that's thing exciting. Pods, I can't though, believe that. Is that they, they what? have the best player in baseball right now. Uh, the only guy that can likely compare to Mike Trout. I know Mike Trout hasn't having the best year. You know, I think Mookie's always going to be, you know, the little notch down, even though how amazing he's doing. But Tatis, I think it's the only player that compares to Trout. And that that's what makes them beyond just a young and exciting baseball team, in my opinion. Oh yeah, that's that. You got to have those guys, and you got to find one of those in the Kelnicks and the Julios. And I don't know that you're going to get I don't, second I don't best player can, in the though. game. What'd you say? Yeah, okay, that that's impossible in my opinion. You know, those guys you can't can even stars. hope for it. You can't yeah. even hope for that. But what you're hoping for is those six, seven win players, uh, the eights and the nines and the tens. You can't even mm-hmm. ask for it. But hey, let's yeah. hope for a six and a seven, and maybe you know all everything clicks and you get a, a nine win season or something like that. Yeah. But I, even that you don't want to hope for. Yeah. Uh, and even if you run through these really quick, these awards, I think you could name everyone. We'd probably have the same answer. Player of the year, Kyle Lewis, Cy Young. I'm, you know, we might have different ones. I'm still going Marco because it's just the most consistent. Most I think I'd go justice. Yeah, I know you would, but you're still wrong on it. So that's okay. <laughs> um, most improved Nola, even though Nola did a little bit good last year, reliever, Taylor Williams. I think we'd agree on you know, most of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all pretty obvious. MVP and the rookie of the year are both go to Kyle. No doubt. Yes. No sweat. Exactly. And I mean, I, that's a good thing. If we were he- sitting here debating a couple of guys with 105 WRC pluses for rookie of the year, would it be the end of the world? No. But if it's, you know, you have Kyle Lewis hitting like freaking Barry Bonds, like, you know, that's fine. If that's the boring conversation that we have. There are worse, worse problems to have. That's for sure. Um, let's do a couple questions here really quick. We have one from mm-hmm. always, I say a friend of the program always kicks us a good question. Non Mariners mm-hmm. related Ben Thoen asks us, I don't yep, think you saw that for absolutely no reason at all. I'm going to let you go first. They're just, it, he puts it, it, the quotation here is well placed for absolutely no reason at all. What are your respective most quote impressive firsthand amateur sports feats to date? So what is your own? best amateur sports highlight of your uh career uh 
I'm going to have to go with my uh, 12 year there of Little League. I thought I did pretty well on that one. I think I bought it right around the 500 level, which was good for myself. Uh, yes, I didn't play too much baseball. Um, you know, afterwards, uh, stupidly moved to track, in my opinion, which I was never <laughs> that good at. Um, or did I ever really apply Still comes up during... in family conversations. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I had some encouragement by other people in the family to, to do that, even though I was what I called a, a pretty decent baseball player for myself. Uh, I always have to say it was because I, you know, I was a year below uh, in terms of grades, but I played with the kids above for baseball and you know, I I was doing pretty dang good for the grade above. So I, I think I would have continued that. So that's what I'm going to say is um, just that Little League baseball years. Uh, those, those were a lot of fun. Mine would be, I always remember when I was playing, I think it was squirt ice hockey where they slapped the captain's C. It was early in the season. They slapped the captain's C on a kid named Jeff Breen, um, gave me the A, and I immediately went out that very game after they handed out the letters and scored like six goals. And I was just like, I'm shredding this. This is And this is when, if you put the puck in the air, you could score an ungodly amount of goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, this <laughs> or was just in Wisconsin. Go right to left on the goalie. Exactly, exactly. You could just, you should shred. Uh, but then, yeah, similarly, low level of difficulty. Man, I, those Bamberg Island roller hockey days, Con, I was just the Michael Jordan of Bamberg Island roller. When kids didn't Fair really enough. know how to rollerblade and you had played 10 years of ice hockey, boy, that that was fun. That was that was a good time. But, hey, a little bit of track, a little bit of that. But as far as the best stuff, there's nothing remarkable. There's there's really <laughs> there's not, a, not a lot there. But speaking, speaking of uh, amateur sporting competition, Con, we got a little practice round tomorrow before we go uh, full on you know sunday major championship you me amen i believe jack's playing with us but still you and me chambers bay sunday it's going down we got ourselves a battle i'm i'm, I'm clearly the underdog the here yeah. I'm, I, that's what i'm worried about i'm clearly the underdog here i'm clearly the underdog here i'm, I'm competing against myself here um when it comes where, to this course i'm saying where would you put the over under for me 110 and a half at least probably 115 yeah maybe i think i think just because of how hard the course is you, you almost i think what i'm assuming it's just the pots are going to be dang near impossible and then playing out of the fairway bunkers is going to be really hard itself too oh god uh so yeah i mean w- when i hear other stories they usually shoot you know so a lot of the 80s players shoot in the 90s so i think yeah doesn't aim shoot about think, 100 there yeah um, I think I'll do much better this time. I'm I'm going in with the goal of you know shooting, hopefully a little bit below 100. But that that's pretty lofty, I think, for this place. That's my goal too. If I mine, that's even loftier for me. But if I can break 100 at Chambers Bay, that would be glorious. But hey, it's going to be a beautiful day. Well, you'll, we if we three. don't mention it next week, you'll you'll know that we didn't. <laughs> yeah, when we go out and full shoot 125, you won't hear a word about it on the podcast next week. Um, but no, it's a beautiful day. 320 tea time. We'll be out there enjoying the beautiful Pacific Northwest, uh, keeping a side eye on the baseball game. But uh, here's to hoping the Mariners win a few more games. Uh, we'll wind it down. But let's see, what do the Mariners have on deck? I mean, I know. Uh, I actually I don't know anything. I don't know who they played. It's the midseason point. We got the All Star break. Yeah, exactly. Boy, it would be nice to have Kyle Lewis start in the All Star game, though. I gotta say, oh god, the Mariners play the Angels. The worst team in baseball for four games, which not to say that we're going to go in there and win. I just think it's hilariously awesome that the Mariners, that the Angels are the worst team that, in baseball. 
that's a series I don't actually mind if we lose, to be honest with you. Uh, just because I don't really want them finishing behind us in the standings a little bit. Yes, I'm not going to care if we do finish and head. It's just it would kind of suck to see them get that extra draft. A better draft pick, much, yeah. Yeah, if they were like a top two pick or something like that, that would be a little infuriating if we ended up like around the eighth or ninth pick, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. But we got four against the Angels. That'll be really interesting just because they have been so terrible. And then Mariners go right up against uh, the Athletics for three. Uh, and you'll catch us probably uh, before that Thursday day game. I guess maybe we'll record on Thursday because it is the day game. Uh, and it's always, I don't, it's, it feels weird to put out a podcast like a couple hours before, but we'll, we'll play it by ear. But yeah, four against the four against the Angels, three against the Athletics. Con, record prediction for you over those seven games? I actually think we'll probably go like three and four. Three and four, put me down for a five and two. I'm gonna go down for a five <laughs> yeah, right. and two, five and t- actually. It- but man, I would five love and- to beat Matt Chapman in the ace. That would be nice. Put me down for a five and two. Let's see how far off I am. When it's two and seven or two and five, we'll know. But put down for a five and two. All right. Anything else to add, Com? Before we shut her down, I-, I think that covers it. That covers it. Another time where we thought we were gonna record a short podcast, we closed it on a buck five. Uh, yeah, I'll take my Bucko 5 at Chambers right now. Speaking of this, it's going to be crazy. Fair enough. But anyway, th- thanks everybody for listening. And as always, go M's. Go M's.